The most basic yet most critical trait in a president is leadership. I am a good leader because I have the will to get the job done. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And on the show today, we have joining us Enterprise Executive Director at Integra Life Sciences and co-founder here at Leaderly, Patrice Sutherland. Patrice, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Darren. Happy to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. We'll start off with a, a fun kind of warm-up question. If you could think back, what's the first formal leadership position that you ever held? Well, the first leadership position I ever had was at Brooklyn Tech High School in Brooklyn, New York. As a sophomore, I got to be one of the editors-in-chief of the high school yearbook. That's significant only because, well, there's two reasons. Brooklyn Tech is, is one of the three math and science magnet high schools in New York City, and it had four or 5,000 students in the high school. And so my English teacher, for some reason, signaled me out and said, choose the yearbook uh, liaison you know, for teachers. And she's like, I want you to be the editor-in-chief. And so uh, we did all of our shoots for that yearbook. It was called the Tech Express. And we did all of our shoots on the subways in New York. And I still have it. And I'm going to bring it and show it to you sometime there. It's really cool. Okay, but awesome. that was my first formal leadership. Yeah, a little older than you, I think. Okay. All right. Well, with that, Patrice, could you share a little bit about your background and, and where you're coming from? Sure, yeah. I grew up in New York City. I was born in the Bronx, lived there until I was in third grade, moved to lower Manhattan, went to grade school, middle school, high school in New York City, went to West Point, graduated in 1990 after doing an extra year because I had too many demerits and, um, and then was commissioned as a signal officer in the army. Spent uh, my first tour in Germany, Desert Storm, had several kids, uh, went to several different bases in the U.S., was at Fort Bragg having a blast when the Army decided it was going to split our family up and send me to Korea for two years without my kids and really forced me into the decision to get out, which was an easy choice because I wasn't going to leave my kids for two years. So got out and started working in corporate America, quickly got into the medical sales, and it's pretty much where I've been my whole career. Okay, great. How is it working in, in healthcare and medical? You find like great personal reward out of, out of working in that industry? I do, Darren, yes. So, you know, we all graduate from the academies with engineering degrees, or at least we did back then. And I thought, oh, I'll go be an engineer when I got out. And I went and worked at Texas Instruments and quickly realized that sitting behind a desk as an engineer was not going to be a fit for me. So got into the field of medical sales, get to move around, meet new people, share information that can help change people's lives, cure disease, help people that may have had major trauma or burns or, you know, spinal injuries, uh, get back. So it's very rewarding. So military to engineering at Texas Instruments and then healthcare, we're all kind of looking for our purpose and our, our purposes in life, right? That drive us and allow us to impact others. How is it that you came to this purpose of healthcare for you? Yeah. So it's funny because I, you know, you guys have 
all kinds of uh, meaning younger generation, all kinds of tools when you're when you're exiting the military that you have access to. And I didn't I had no idea that there was something such as medical sales, like didn't know what it was, had never seen a med device or pharmaceutical rep. So one of the gentlemen that was I was contracting to write software for a program I was working on at Texas Instruments, because believe it or not, it was cheaper to hire an outside software engineer than to use an internal software engineer in your budget because TI's software engineers paid a lot. Anyway, this gentleman's wife was in pharmaceutical sales and he kept saying to me, why aren't you in sales? Why aren't you in sales? Like software sales or, or you know, medical sales. And I'm like, I have no, I've never been in sales. I have no idea what you're talking about. So anyway, I met his wife. I met the people she worked with. I interviewed and I, my eyes were just wide open, right? Where I use a junior military headhunter and they, they kind of direct you where they want you like operations or manufacturing. And, and, you know, as you know, when you're, when you're getting out of the military, you're like, what am I going to do? Say, I'm good at operations. I'm good leading people. I don't know where that fits. So um, thankfully Steve Frizee was his name uh, and Kathleen was his wife and I have him to thank. He opened my eyes. Sometimes it just kind of falls into your lap. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so uh, I, I asked that, that fun question earlier. So if you could compare Patrice, the editor, from a leadership standpoint to Patrice of today, what would you highlight as the big differences um, as far as like leadership style or, or just leadership in general? Um, oh, my gosh. Patrice, the editor, Patrice <laughs> of today. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough question, Darren. I think about that for a minute. Well, first of all, as a you know, sophomore, junior in high school, I didn't know anything about leadership. I didn't realize why my English teacher thought I would be uh, a good editor. Probably the, the, the most basic thing that I can point to is as you grow older, you mellow and get more patient. And as tolerant as I was, I mean, I grew up in New York City with all different cultures. I didn't, didn't see people color their skin or their, their you know, their ethnic background, I saw people as people. I'm even more so now. Like I, I value different perspectives and I, I really work to try to help people who don't have a voice speak up and have a voice. And back then I just didn't have the skills to do that. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought we were all kind of equal. And um, as you get older, you realize while we are all equal, sometimes the world is a brutal place and it doesn't see people that way. So as a leader, you have to encourage people to speak up and um, share their views because it makes for a better work environment. You know, the gentleman that's my boss now, I remember when we were peers and we'd go to meetings together and he was very observant, but, but very quiet. And then on the breaks, he would share all these great ideas. And I would say, speak up in the meeting, like share your voice. We like, we need to all hear that together. And he's like, oh, I don't know, people, you know, not everybody wants to hear that. I'm like, no, John, you got to speak up. Like you have great ideas, share them. So I think there's a lot of that that goes on in the corporate world where people are afraid because they think differently or are not totally in line with the group. They're afraid to speak up. On that, along your career, were there times where you're like, oh man, what, what did I get myself into? Yeah, always. It's kind of like I'm a continuous caterpillar and then butterfly. Every role that I've been pushed into, I've doubted that I could do. And, um, you know, most recently at the age of 55, I 
hired a coach because I, you know, was suffering from what you mentioned earlier, imposter syndrome. So yeah, everything I take on, I question, can I do this? But I have to implore people out there to not let something like that hold you back because if you, if you really want to grow, you have to stretch and you have to say yes to things that make you uncomfortable because that's, that's how you learn. And if you stop learning, you stop growing. If you stop learning, you stop growing. Well, to, to shift over to, well, it's the podcast name, Live Leaderly, uh, which means that leadership's not tied to that position or title. It's, it's about making that impact on others. And so if you could think back to your best leaders, Patrice, throughout your life, in what ways did they live leaderly in the, in the days and months with you? Um, gosh. I'm going to call back to uh, my second tactical officer as a cadet. And um, Thomas Krugler was his name. And I was a turn back sent to his company because when they turn you back there, you don't get to stay in your own company. They dislodge you. And he is still is one of the most humble and understanding people that I've met. And I remember an instance, you know, imagine Darren, you're two weeks from graduation and West Point tells you, you got to leave and come back and do a whole year, right? Not in a good state of mind, to say the least. It was first semester sometime. And we had, um, I don't know if they still do them now, but they used to call it, I think, Commandant's Hour after lunch, where you would go to like lectures or whatever. And I was not in a good spot mentally this particular day. And I just blew off. I had never done this as a cadet. I know that's hard to believe because I had to do a year over, but that's a whole other story. I just blew the lecture off. I was like, I'm go- I got to go to sleep, right? Like, I need to get rest. I-, I can't deal with this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, just not in a good spot. He could have had me kicked out for that, right? It- I mean, I don't know if West Point's still like that now, but back then, like, that would have been a big slug and that would have been it. And he was mature enough, even at a very young age, like now we realize captains are not that old. I am a captain. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Back then they seemed so old, but you know, captains and majors are young. And at that young age, he was able to pull me aside and really sit me down and look me in the eye and have a conversation with me and created hope when hope had become forlorn. Let's just say that. He really lived, he lives leaderly. He lived leaderly back then. I knew that I, you know, he was giving me one more chance and that I, you know, he's, I remember the conversation and I remember these words. He said, if something happens again, I'm going to cut you off at the knees. And, uh, that's, that's an awesome awesome story. Uh, imagine if he didn't, kind of give you that extra chance, you know, I don't know how your, your story might be different today. It would be very different. Yes. It'd be very different. And there, and there's, I've taken that with me, Darren, because there's plenty of times in life where people are not given a second chance. And I am thankful and grateful that Thomas Kruger did that for me. And so I always, you see people making mistakes all the time and I'm not one of those people that push, you know, pulls me, Cuts him down. I'm one of those people. I learned from him. Pull him aside and go, all right, you made a mistake. It's okay. Don't do it again. Let's move on. So here's how we grow. Yeah. That's right. 
Uh, so you had your, your military career, your, your post-military career in, in healthcare and in, in various roles, and now you find yourself in the tech industry working with apps on, on this project Leaderly. Could you tell me a little bit about I don't know, your, your motivation to, to be on this Leaderly team? Like what, what resonates with the Leaderly mission to you? Yeah, well, it started with Culture Pop. It, it might sound altruistic, but you, know, you, you have a daughter, so you'll understand this. My whole life, I've always thought, what can I do to make um, the world better for my daughters? Because what your wife can tell you and what you know, other women you know can tell you is that it's still a struggle as a woman. And so having the opportunity to work with Drew and Greg and your dad and Roy and Steve, Jim, everybody to build something that can make the world a better place just lit a fire in me. And that was, um, what, 2020, summer of 2020. And there's a need in corporate America for leadership. There is a need for people, dare I say, with scruples. And there is a lot of, there's a lot of selfish people in the world. And there's a lot of people that get ahead and don't bring people along with them. I call them ladder kickers, men and women. And literally allows us to not be ladder kickers. It allows us to give companies the opportunity to give, put a tool in the hands of their junior employees that they can access at any time of the day and learn about leadership. Things that you and I take for granted because we went to one of the premier leadership institutions in the world. These things and these ideas and these concepts, to put them in the hands of people in the corporate world, um, in the nonprofit world, at universities, at high schools is powerful and, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So just lights my fire. We want to make this available to uh, populations because of this belief that we, we think everyone, anyone can learn how to lead, right? Why, why is it that you believe so much in that, that anyone can learn how to lead? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen timid people step up and achieve things that, they never thought they could. I, but most importantly, I watched it in my children. You know, as, as, as you'll get to do with Ellie, um, when Allie and Tori were growing up, were young, every step of the way, they questioned themselves. They, you know, came home, felt like they didn't do enough, felt like they weren't good enough. And I watched them both mature into these, just blossom into these, into these leaders, you know, in, in high school, in middle school, in high school, um, in college, and now in their professional careers, I've seen it. And it's, it's not because they were, quote unquote, born leaders. It's because they worked on themselves to improve. They held themselves accountable. They read, they listened, they walked, they learned. Um, they tried different leadership styles. The funnest thing is to watch your kid be named captain of something or you know, I still have, Corey's going to kill me for talking about this, but I still have her speech from grade school when she was running for some class office in like third grade. And it's just the cutest thing. And I look back, I put all my videos on, uh, on the cloud and I look back and I watch that and I think, amazing. She was like eight years old and you know, wrote a speech and made me videotape it so she could oh, be, oh, so the reason she had to do that was because we were going on a trip and she was going to miss the day where the kids stood up at the assembly and, you know, gave their speeches. So she had to videotape it. And um, it just, 
like warms my heart when I watch it now, like to see her back then as a little leader and then what she's grown into now. Um, and the same thing with Allie. So you'll get to experience that with Ellie and any other kids you have, but I, I, I've seen it done in, in my professional career too. You know, uh, like the story I told earlier about my boss, you know, he was a peer and like speak up and now he's my boss. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. We may have to, at the expense of Tori, request that speech for sound bites yes. uh, to include on the podcast. Fantastic. I'm happy to share it. Thank you. Thanks, Patrice. Well, uh, we're about to wrap up here. So I'm just going to kick it back over to you, Patrice. Do you have any closing thoughts um, for, for today? Um, That's the hardest question you've asked me all day. Uh, closing thoughts is, you know, back to the premise of, of this podcast. And thank you, by the way, for coming in and agreeing to do this and really taking charge because anyone can learn to lead. And all you have to do is look around you, be supportive, pick someone on your team, help someone that, you know, mentor someone, watch them grow and provide them with the tools. And you'll see people blossom into leaders. Thank you for your time, Darren. Thank you for what you're doing. Live Leaderly. All right. Thank you. That's Patrice Sutherland, co-founder here at Leaderly. For all those listening, thanks for tuning in to the Live Leaderly podcast. This is one of the ways I could help our school. Well, that's all the time I have for now. Vote for me, Tori Sutherland.